1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
2: Mobile hunters, are you looking to make the move to saddle hunting this year? Or maybe you just want to add a few new pieces of gear or upgrade your current saddle gear. If that's the case, then head over to tetherednation.com where they've got all mobile hunters covered. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old timer, Tethered is your one-stop saddle shop. From saddles to ropes, sticks, ascenders, whatever it is you need, they have you covered. I've personally been using their gear for the past three seasons. Now, my base setup consists of the Phantom Saddle and the Predator platform. And if you're wondering why I've chosen to use their gear above all else, here's the Cliff Notes. They're innovative and pushing the mobile hunting forward overall. cut no corners and prioritize the safety and performance of their gear they care about the community that they've created and their gear allows me to hunt free and above all else i like to support good people doing good work if you're interested in upping your mobile hunting game then head to tetherednation.com this podcast is brought to you by skull brew coffee company skull brew coffee roasts premium single origin coffee guaranteed to deliver the freshest coffee directly to your doorstep the kicker they're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to SkullbrewCoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skullbrew Coffee. Welcome to the Truth from the Sand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skullbrew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 232. Today I'm joined by my good friend Tate, and we're talking military, family, and bowhunting. So stay tuned. All right, all right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. Hope everyone had a happy and safe uh, memorial day weekend celebration hopefully you had a chance to spend some time outside spend some time with some family and most importantly just kind of re- taking some time to remember why we are celebrating this this past weekend so we want to pass along that happy memorial day weekend salutation uh, today's episode going to just kind of get jumped right into it not going to not going to draw this thing out is with my buddy uh tate tate's the a gentleman who has been a friend of my wife's family for a lot of years. Um, he's the one who introduced me to bow hunting. Was my my mentor early on, still is. Is a guy that I talk to pretty consistently about about bow hunting. And just oftentimes life in general, Tate's just has uh, a lot of world experience. He's a veteran. He's traveled all over. Um, and he's actually getting ready to retire this year. And uh, so the one thing, you know, you want to maybe, you know, if, if you don't listen all the way through to the episodes, you might want to listen all the way through to the end of this episode. Um, I want to give a special thanks to our buddies over at tethered. Um, you know, they helped me kind of put together this end segment for Tate, um, as he's getting ready to retire, uh, which was a, a special moment for he and I to share. Um, and want to make sure that I pass along my, you know, make mention that, uh, tethered kind of helped put this together. I had an idea of how to maybe send him off in style into retirement, um, on this Memorial day weekend. And uh, whenever I kind of mentioned the idea to to the folks at Tethered, they were they were all about it and couldn't couldn't wait to help. So, big thanks to the to the guys over at Tethered for for helping making this end end segment with Tate happen. Also, want to make a quick mention. Um, you know, Velvet Fest is right around the corner. My buddies over at Exodus they have a sale going on right now. If you don't know, um, you can say, basically save twenty percent off on everything. That's their render, you know, cell camera, their SP18 solar panels, the lift cameras. Every basically. Almost store entirely store wide. You can save 20% on all their gear uh, by using the promo code year six. Year six. That's Y E A R six. Uh, Of course, this is only while supplies last. So make sure you head over to ExodusOutdoorgear.com and lock in your savings and get yourself some gear and get ready for Velvet Fest. So, with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's podcast with my good buddy Tate. As always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand deer hunting podcast. We are coming to you on location. I'm on a little travel mission here back home to visit some family and stuff over the uh, memorial holiday and uh, have on. the Well, so this guy is like uh, I almost kind of refer to you as a as a character on Seinfeld on this podcast <laughs> because you make you make a lot of appearances in in commentary but you come on like you've been on once. This is your second time,
1: right? I want to be Kramer. You want to be
2: You're totally the Kramer of the podcast, man. But uh, the the gentleman you hear on the other line is my buddy, my good buddy, the gentleman who got me into bow hunting and is responsible for the uh, the madness that I create at my home with my wife, uh, none other than Mister Tater, Kenny Williams. What's going on, buddy?
1: hey i'm right back at you here man awesome yeah thanks for the uh seinfeld promo yeah
2: well it's funny because like
1: (laughs) i didn't know that was coming (laughs) yeah yeah well
2: i like to pull a rabbit out of a hat once in a while you you do yeah but uh you just you get mentioned a lot on the podcast because we talk frequently about about hunting we talk a lot about life just in general we do we do and uh And so I'll make a comment about, you know, whatever it is, whether it was, you know, hunting in Ohio or coming back turkey hunting a couple weeks ago with you or whatever. Sure. And I'll just make mention of, like, my buddy Tate. You've heard of him. You've been on the podcast. You know him. You love him. Right? (laughs) And so –
0: you get referenced
2: a lot, but you make, you make very few appearances. You, make, you know you just, you just kind of slide in and out with cameos.
1: I'm a cameo yeah. kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, you are man. So
2: <laughs> you know, if I lived back home or if I lived closer, you'd be on, or if you live closer to me, you'd be on you'd be on more often because it's always good just to kind of kind of cut up with you. But wanted to kind of have this session with you today for a couple reasons. One, we haven't had a chance to talk on the podcast for a while. Um, two, it's the Memorial Day holiday. And, uh, and you're a veteran, you have a family of a family of veterans. And so I wanted to kind of try to have a a veteran on two, I just, or three, I just like talking to you like, right. We, we, we talk probably once a week, you know, and just, and just catch up. We get after
0: it. man. We We do get after
2: it. And, uh, and then you've got some big things that are kind of happening in the future. And so we've talked about that just in, in passing, but I just thought it'd be cool to kind of do, do a podcast on it. So let's just start with how the hell is your spring? Well, first off, man, I appreciate you turning off the heat for me. When we, when I come into town. So for those out there that are, that are, that are
1: listening, it's uh what, what's today's date? May 28th, May 28th. Yeah. Give them the degrees out there.
2: I want to say when I got in my truck, I think it was like 48 (laughs) or something like that. It was in the like high eighties all week. And so, you know, for those out there listening, you know, Tater has a, a man shed, right? And that's where he and I will podcast whenever we, when I come into town and we go to do a podcast. And so we talked earlier this week and I said, Hey, we should probably do this at like eight o'clock in the morning before the, before the heat gets to us, you know what I mean? And like, get yeah. it in, get it out, you know, get it done while the weather's still nice. And, you know,
1: and we both agreed that oh, that would be a very, very good idea. It'd be
2: prudent, even, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so I roll into town of course it's like, it's just pissing rain the whole weekend. It's 48 degrees. So we're out in the man shed bundled up, you know, trying to stay warm. He did do me a solid dough, make sure I was comfy, had a little heater on. You know, so he's a he's a good
1: host. Got to look after my part.
2: That's right, man. You know, so but let's just start with you know how the hell has your spring been, man? You, uh, you've been getting out. We got after gobbles one day together, and we got basically rained out.
1: Well, the uh, the day we hunted together was a lot like this one.
2: Almost exactly.
1: <laughs> Almost I exactly. think there was more precip that day. Yeah, but uh, the spring has been slow. Uh, I haven't turkey hunted that much. In all honesty, the second Friday of the season was uh was the morning that if I have another if I have you with me, we probably get some guns off. Right. Good good goblin morning, good responses from turkeys and they came in and they worked good for me. But uh just as every it. turkey hunter will tell you, they just never poked up over the bank. That was just very slight and Fifteen yards to my right, right, and that's where I would have had you or anybody else camped out, set at. up and ready. Yeah,
2: it's I've heard that across. Like, well, in, I've said this on the podcast before. For transparency, I, I only got out that one, you know, that one that one trip essentially. You know what I mean for for the season. I had busy. I, I changed jobs and was you know. Kinda... Well, you needed
1: a getaway weekend too. By what I understand. By talking to
2: you. yeah, I totally needed a getaway, and that was really what that what that was. It was more mental health aspect of it than it was like <laughs>
1: it's, it's all mental health yeah. <laughs> for me now. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly, you know, it was more that than anything than you know trying to kill something necessarily, and it was it was what the what the doctor ordered. Exactly. But even like my other buddies and stuff like that that I that I've talked to that are bigger turkey hunters than I am, like I was talking with um, this is a little foreshadowing for people that are listening. My buddy Tony Peterson there will be a podcast that comes out with him after this one releases um he's a big time turkey hunter you know and look when he had an off season he killed three birds this year yeah you know what i mean so yeah and to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt <laughs> and he even said that when we were talking he's like look I, i'm not complaining i killed three birds you yeah. know yeah. but but he was even saying like it was it was tough like it was tough to get him to work and they weren't committing in places where he previously would have them commit and not with ease but you know he could work them you know and it just wasn't working out the same
1: well to touch on your point right there clint uh i i know and i have talked to a lot of good turkey hunters up here this spring and it's been uh it's been weird yeah uh one real good friend of mine good ass turkey hunter never worked a bird never even worked a bird to the thursday of the second week
2: oh really wow
1: yeah and i've heard that from everybody else you know though and this is this is spring after spring you got some goblin on it on the limb right they hit the ground they answer you good for a little bit right and then where they go yeah and i've heard hens all spring and i've heard hens go to gobblers when i've been out right and you know nature wins
2: nature and biology typically wins yeah. right
1: you even see that in the deer woods
2: like when you're hunting the rut exactly. right it's like you you see a deer you see a doe come through yeah. you're almost certain there's going to be a buck following you know what caliber you know or what maturity exactly. remains to be seen until he gives you a visual yeah but but trying to pull him off
1: it's, it's hard to beat the real thing bro it is hard <laughs> to beat the real thing it is hard to beat the real thing man. especially when the girls are coming well yeah. the males are running females in the in november but right. uh with deer but in the spring the hey man when you're when you're at the bar and the women are coming to you why are you it's all good bro
2: yeah why are you why are you gonna mess up a good thing you got going on <laughs>
1: i'm not gonna mess that up <laughs> you know yeah. i'm not going to somebody else that's up there squawking at me <laughs> exactly i got a couple right in front of me
2: yeah. and even john i mean john was trying to kind of re-up on his uh slam did he this year. did
1: he accomplish the marriage i
2: haven't talked to him yet but he didn't uh like the the black hills smoked him Mm. you know i talked to him uh after his second trip and i need to have him back on just to kind of talk about it but um he had everything kind of wrapped up except south dakota you know and he went out early and he just had super cold weather like in the 30s you know in the i think he was even into like the low like 20s maybe even in the teens at night you know just like a gnarly cold snap that you'll get out west like that you know that's the the Dakotas for you yeah and uh And then from there, he made a second trip out. And at that point, he said it was just like they would be on private. He couldn't get them to come over, you know, and stuff like that. And he said just the amount of pressure that he saw out there that during that time frame was just was a lot, you know. And when he says a lot, like he's saying a lot for there, you know what I mean? It's not like what you see in Pennsylvania or Ohio or whatever for turkey season or whatever, Michigan or whatever the case is with bigger hunter numbers. But for the area. You know, and he and and he said specifically the area that he was in, right? He's like, last year when he was there, he didn't see any of that. This year, he was like, it was like, I saw just a ton of trucks and a ton of people. He's like, so the weather again, I don't think was great for him that trip. And um, I think what he was saying, at least when we talked on the phone, was that it was a combination probably of the weather and these Pressure. birds are getting educated pretty quick, yeah. you know? And, um, and then he just made another trip out, I want to say last week i think he was out for a handful of days trying to fill the tag and uh, i haven't talked to him since but i know that he didn't fill the tag because i was following him his instagram post okay. to see what he was doing or whatever and it just he just didn't make it they might make have it happen.
1: Got, they might have got just pressured up too much yeah
2: and it's crazy because last year i mean he did it and uh he did it in a handful of days basically in every state he went to you know what i mean and this year it was he was in a I think it was the, I want to say it was the, and I'll have him on and he'll tell the story, but I think it was like the first or second day when he was in Florida, he killed his Osceola. Okay. And then he went to Texas after that. And, uh, I want to say it was like his first day in Texas. It wasn't any longer than I think his second day, which was pretty consistent with last year. I think he killed one like in the first 30 minutes that he was on the ground in Texas. Well, that sucks. Yeah. That's awful. (laughs) And then he did some hog hunting too. I think while he was down there. Oh yeah. 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 And then, um, and then he came back to Iowa and it took him just a couple of days to kill his Iowa bird. I, I want to say, I, I want to say he told me like three days or something like that to maybe four that he had one in particular that was, he was playing okie doke with where it was like it would show, but just wouldn't get to the right spot. Of course, like to remind everyone out there, listen, like he's, he's sometimes he'll have a camera guy like in Texas. I think his buddy wore, war danger. Like that's his handle on uh, Instagram. Okay. I think filmed for him. And I think he had a buddy that went with him to the Dakotas at least for one trip, but like in Iowa, like he's predominantly filming all that stuff himself, you know, and some of the other trips too. Like he doesn't always have a camera guy. He's self-filming that yeah. and doing it with a bow. Killing turkeys with a bow in general. Like that's tough, you know? Yeah, and, it is. And, uh, and he's self-filming it. And so he took him a couple of days in Iowa cause it was just, he wasn't set up a hundred percent, right? Like a bird came in and he watched him kind of, he was telling me when we were talking on the phone, he was watching him kind of, the last time before he killed him, like, he saw what he was doing, and he kind of was like, oh, okay, jokester. All right. Like, I got your number. So, he went and set up the next day, and he was like, if you're going to do the same thing, I'm just going to set up different, and and that
1: was it. Took tur- you know, tur- tur- care of him. Took business. care of him. But Well, he was uh, knocking that slam out pretty quickly. He was. <laughs> for like, he, the first three birds.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, he, he went to the Dakotas, I think, before he went to Texas for his first trip. Okay. And so, he kind of got he, – and he was out there for – I want to say that trip was like four days maybe or something like that. And he got, and he just didn't, it, weather was shit, you know, and just came back and recognized like, oh, weather sucked. I'm going to have to go back and, you know, try to figure it out on a second trip. Um, but all the other ones did happen, happen pretty quick. And I want to say like, I mean, good Lord. I think he spent maybe, and he'll give me the exact when we talk, but I know it was at least 14 days, if not more, like in South Dakota in, in, in the Black Hills trying to kill, kill a turkey or it might've been closer to 20 days. You know what I mean? Like you just last year it happened in like two or three or whatever it was, yeah. like a handful of days. Like yeah. I, I don't think it was even
1: a week. And this year he was out there for that last can be the hardest and the longest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, but,
2: but I was like, I was like, still, man, I was like, you killed a pile of turkeys this year, yeah. you know, in a short period of time with a bow and filmed all of it. And you know, it's uh which makes the slam he had last year, I think maybe even just a little bit more special. Cause it's, you know, it's hard to double up.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Especially two years in a row. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I was hoping he would do it though. Cause I wanted to get the t-shirt. He was going to make a, he was going to make a t-shirt about it. Like the back-to-back slam champion. Nice. You know? <laughs> but, nice. Which would have been, which would have been cool. Uh, I don't know if it would have I to.
1: tried to start an apparel line. <laughs> right. <time. laughs> right. Exactly. Man.
2: So, you know, transitioning from turkeys, cause our Turkey season with boat was both kind of a, abysmal, you know, mine was short lived and, and you got after it a little bit, but just couldn't get one to work. but. We're here on the Memorial Day weekend. I'd be remiss if we didn't just talk a little bit, you know, about Memorial Day and, you know, you as a veteran, what it means to you. And, you know, my family's all, you know, military, you know, my dad, my grandfathers, my uncles, and I'm really literally the only male in my family to not with my last name to not go to the military. Like all my cousins with my last name have gone, even cousins without, but like the, the Campbell line has all been to the military. And I was kind of the first one that didn't, that didn't go. So I have an appreciation for it, um, just cause I grew up around it and stuff like that. Well, your dad
1: was a, you told me before he was a Navy man. He was a Navy man. Yeah. Man. yeah.
2: And my uncle Bobby was, uh, um, was a Marine. Um, pretty, uh, pretty sure he was a Marine and he was, in, he was in, he was in, he was in Vietnam. Um, my uncle Ronnie, uh, I think he was army if I'm not mistaken. And he was in Vietnam and my uncle Bill was not in Vietnam uh but he was a he was air force if i'm not mistaken bobby my cousin bobby junior was was air force uh my co- my cousin steven was marine he's he's out now he's a little younger than me um my grandfather my dad's dad was army and fought in world was in world war 2 um god bless him and i think uh I'm trying to remember if he was maybe in Korea too, and i don't I don't remember off the top of my head if he was or not I don't remember if he got out before that or not um but yeah, so it's like you know all the way I can track it, my family back all the way to World War two you know what I mean and then I'm sure if I talked to you know I never really had much of a chance to talk to my grandfather about it he It was really weird you know before he passed you know my dad he said he would never he would never talk much about like his time in the service at all like to any family members like in no one really ever brought it up to him yes. either, you know. Yeah. Um maybe it was just me being young and dumb and mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe because they were his sons, he he was he was a gruff man. You know what I mean? Like he he was short with words, <laughs> limited with praise. When I say limited with praise, never,
1: you know what I mean? Well, I, <laughs> I uh I uh I have a parallel with that with mm-hmm. uh, two great uncles. Uh my dad's uncle my great uncles were in world war Two,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh i know ralph was battle seasoned he was at the bulge okay. and uh didn't knew very little about it yeah even with his siblings and his nephews yeah until he passed away and they're going through uh helping his wife you mm, know right uh sort stuff out and clean up and all that and they found all kinds of stuff yeah that ralph never talked about right yeah really yeah
2: it was, it was i remember it was after my dad's mom had passed and we were hanging out with my my grandfather you know just and he was he was okay you know what i mean like he was a tough old bird man like he yep. was like one of the toughest men i ever yep. i ever knew um and it was funny because as i got older here always seen i grew i lived with him for a while growing up you know, when my family went through like a divorce and stuff like that, like I stayed with them for a couple of years. And, uh, and so I had like the firsthand, like upbringing of like what my dad got,
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, no better thing could have happened for you at, oh, yeah. the, at the time. Oh yeah.
2: hundred percent disciplinarian yeah. sure. tough, it, but it was weird. Like, you know, he always seemed kind of gruff, but he was actually one of the most like caring men you ever, gotcha. you ever met, yeah. you know, um, just consider it, you know, but I remember after grandma passed and I was talking to, talking to pap and, uh, and I knew he got shot in world war two. Mm-hmm. Like I knew, I knew he took a bullet and, uh, but no one really ever asked him much about it. And I just said, I just said, pap, I was like, you, you took a bullet in world war two. Right. And he's like, yeah. I was like, how did that go down? You know? And he was like, and everyone in the room kind of looked at me like, I can't believe he's asking, mm-hmm. you know what I mean?
1: No. And he I, was like, I think sometimes they do want to get it out there.
2: And so, he was like, well, this is what happened. And like, he told me the whole story and we sat there for, I don't know. Like I said, my grandpa was a man of very, very few words. He didn't say a whole lot, sure. you know, but he sat there and we probably talked for two hours just about what he experienced in World War Two and what the time period was like and like what he was going through Mm -hmm. and what the country was going through and you know, what his experience was over there. And he wasn't like your uncle, like in the, in the battle of the bulge or he wasn't part of D day. He was young. I think when he went, he was maybe 17 Yeah, when he went and he was actually at the tail end of world war two. So I think if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he was there for like two years before it ended, before it ended. And so he wasn't in like the, I, look, I don't want to discount what he did. You know what I mean? It just in comparison to guys that landed on the beaches and stuff like that, it's like he kind of came in toward the, the, the tail end. And, and I think that that's partially why he never, when I thought about it, I felt like that was partially why he never really wanted to talk much about it. Because I felt like that, especially that generation, like they didn't ever want to seem like they were stealing valor. You know what I mean? And I think he kind of always felt that like, yeah,
1: I was in World War Two. He didn't have to make any amends for that.
2: Right. But it's almost like I felt like he... Didn't want to talk much about it because I think he recognized that that even though he was part of it, there were people who sacrificed way more and were at, was asked way more of them than, than was ever being asked of him. Yeah. You know, I think, and, and he was always, and that's why I say he was a very compassionate and kind of like understanding person. Like once you got past the gruff exterior, um, and I think that he had a deep appreciation. Oh, I know he had a deep appreciation for what the people before him did.
1: Well, uh. I might be wrong, but maybe he knew some fellas that never made it back home. I would say, Two.
2: yeah, well, I mean, you know as well as I do,
1: like this area,
2: you know, where where I grew up, where you grew up, you know, it's a, there's been a lot of people who have given a lot.
1: With threats to our nation waiting
0: around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience
1: that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving,
0: we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Well, uh, let me mention this real quick here. we got two bridges in Everett pennsylvania it's where that's where this is taking mm-hmm. place at and uh 300 yards behind you clint is the west end bridge that's mm-hmm. named after ellis wheat medal of honor winner yep in world war ii and on the east end is uh robert hartsock bridge yep medal of honor winner from out of vietnam really two local boys yep that uh gave all yep, and uh None of that is ever lost on me. Yeah.
2: Well, that's the one thing I always loved talking about. Not just like, you know, some of the stuff you would share with me during your time in service and your family and stuff like that, because I just, I'm always fascinated by it. But you're very well read when it comes to history, military history, and, and things like that. Like you have an appreciation for it beyond the time that you spent. You actually seek out knowledge and information about it beyond your own personal experience.
1: I, right? I, I, uh, I have and I still do and uh that was that was part of me even before I uh joined the Air Force out right. of high school. Right. I, I was it was uh it was an interest but as I got older and especially after I served it it's it turned into a deep appreciation. Right. Because yeah. uh you've heard it a thousand times or World War Two the greatest generation. Yep they were yeah in my eyes oh they, yeah and, my, and, they and mine were. too yeah for sure they, they saved the world mm-hmm. yeah you know let's let's, let's don't mix let's don't <laughs> mix bones about they, it right. they saved the world yeah in my opinion
2: yeah and uh yeah and that's so that's what i always kind of like you know just appreciate talking to you about and, and my dad too i mean my dad's a my dad's a veteran yeah. you know and he has a deep appreciation and reads about it and you know and he doesn't talk Talk much about it necessarily you know um you don't have to no you don't have to. no you know but it was i i know that it was very formative for him you know that that particular time and you know for a lot of people around here you know it's um you know it's it's a it's a way to <clears throat> see the world it's a way to gain very, experience very much so it's a way to um Learn a lot about yourself. And gain some skills and, 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 and stuff like that. And that was really my dad's, like, you know, I don't want to say it was his motive because it was more of a family thing. But, you know, coming from an area where, you know, when you're talking during that, and you and my dad aren't too awfully far apart in age, you know, mm-hmm. you it know, wasn't like there was, you know, you know, the area wasn't brimming with opportunity because it was even more rural then than it is now. Yeah. You know, we're still, this area is still really rural. Yep. You know, and you go back even that far much further and it was just
1: there wasn't there wasn't much no there wasn't much out there
2: and so for and so for dad i know it was more of uh family couldn't afford to go to college sure right and uh, same here yep and so if he was gonna make something of himself then he was gonna need to go to the military and gain some skills that he could translate whenever he got out of the service and be able to have a family and support him you know and so that was what he did he was a welder in the navy that was. You know, and that's, you know, what, that's the skill that he gained. Well, you know? one of and, the. And just machining and, and just maintenance stuff in general. Like, and that's how he gained like the, and he grew up on like farming and stuff like that too. So mechanically inclined pretty much all of his life, yeah. but sharpened those things. Like when he went to
1: the, when he went to the Navy. And you had to. Yeah. To perform. Yeah. And to get paid.
2: And to get paid. <laughs> that It always
1: comes back to that getting paid. Well, you right? gotta get yeah. paid. You gotta get proficient. Uh, my, uh, when I went in. Right out of high school, I'll be honest. Uh, I needed some discipline. Yeah, it was the late seventies. That's,
2: that's why my dad was trying to get me into. <laughs> like I, I remember. Like I think I've told you this story. I was a, I was a, I was a hellion. Right, I was a troublemaker. Not yeah. gonna, not gonna lie. Yeah. I was, pr- I was pretty smart as far as like bookwork and stuff like that. Right, me too. but j- it was more of an application issue and like focus issue. And, sure, and wanting to be in trouble issue. Right, and so you know, my dad really saw two paths for me, I think. Right. I think, well, I think he saw three. (laughs) Like, I think, I think one was like WTF. I got no clue what's going to happen to this kid. You know what I mean? I think the other path was he's good at wrestling. Can I get him just to double down on that and, and maybe go on like a scholarship to like a D2 school to go get an education and like get him in wrestling. Cause when I started wrestling, I actually, it was really good for me for discipline and, and stuff like that. It helped me focus and like narrow me in. And I, I stopped getting in quite as much trouble and stuff like that, and then, you know, old uh, uh, Paul Clark, right, was a, was the wrestling coach, oh, yeah. right? Paul. Yeah. Now his his younger brother and I can't remember his name for the life of me. Paul went to Clarion and wrestled. His brother went to Virginia Military Institute, and then when he got out, was a
1: Marine. Was that Jeff?
2: Jeff Clark, yeah, Jeff. Okay. And so he came back after he got out of the Marines and was coaching, like, was assistant coaching the team, and. He and I just hit it off. I was a I was probably a little like Jeff, probably a little bit of a troublemaker like he maybe was a little bit oh, when he was, was not. when he was when he was younger. But I was pretty good at like science and math and stuff like that and it was more just like he saw me he was like if I can just channel the anger in the right way, man, this kid is like <laughs> ready-made to be a marine. You yeah. know what I mean? And so yeah. like he was on me for probably um Jesus, like sophomore, junior, senior year like trying to like direct me toward the Marines. And my dad was all in on it. He was like, yes, let's let's send him. Sure there. he was. You know? And so I had a Marine recruiter at my house like every Saturday, my junior year of like the, like the entire fall, like the Marine recruiter would come to my house and sit down and talk to us. And, you know, I think it was a guy that dad knew actually. I, I don't know that for certain. I'm guessing because it felt like the guy was there a lot. And I'm like, well, why? If I kept saying no, I don't want to. <laughs> like why would he keep coming unless someone, either my dad or Jeff or somebody was saying like, no, you uh- got to. You i think there was kid. a
1: tie there somewhere
2: might have had to been but uh but yeah so so anyway i don't even know where we were where we were going with that it was oh you needed some some direction it was good for you so yeah
1: i i needed some dis- discipline i yeah. uh i uh i'm pretty sure they'd give me a diploma just to get my ass out <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> but with that being said i was already delayed entry okay into the air force so on july 28th of that summer after graduation, I knew what I was doing. Right. So I didn't, I didn't give a rat's ass about anything. Right. And here's how bad it was: I was, uh, I was an above-average baseball player. Yes, you were. And yeah. uh, I had uh, a couple letters from a couple D one schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't talk about that too much mm-hmm. because uh, I probably screwed up. All right. But the late 70s. there's was a lot of fun to be had in the late 70s. Think about that time. I'm sure a lot of listeners out there might relate to that time period. Right. Uh, and there was only three things on my mind. We don't have to really talk about them. You, but everyone can guess <laughs> what those three things were. Uh, I loved playing baseball, uh-huh. and I was good at it. And Western Kentucky and Southern Illinois, they weren't baseball powerhouses. I knew that, but... Mm-hmm it was a chance to further an education and play some more baseball Mm -hmm. where that led Clint, who knows, who knows. Right. But me, I had it all figured out. Then I, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go to school anymore. Right. Didn't want no part of that. Yeah. So, uh, went in the air force, uh, served my country proudly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the rest is history. Yeah,
2: where did you? Where did you? Where were you off to when you first went in? Like, where did you do? I guess
1: basic training and all. Basic that stuff? training was uh, Lackland Air Force Base, San Antonio, Texas, in July. Ooh, <laughs> it's beautiful there in July. <laughs> yeah, <I hear>. yes, <laughs> yes, it is. It's very comfortable, <laughs> right? right? No humidity, none of that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. Did uh, did eight weeks there. Uh, and then where where were you stationed at for like? Uh, did some. Did tech school in uh, Lowry Air Force Air Force Base, Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Okay, pretty cool area. Yeah, and then I was off to uh, Eglin Air Force Base on the Gulf Coast of Florida, between Pensacola and Panama City. Florida. Okay, and then you did some time overseas too. I did a 13 <clears throat> months in uh, Inchalik Air Base, Turkey, mm-hmm. which was uh, I've, I've talked to you about awesome, that, and you, dude. You,
2: and you loved that.
1: That was well. I was an ammo troop, and. uh spent a lot of time on flight lines with uh small bombs and big bombs mm-hmm. and uh and it was it was for keeps over there if mm-hmm. if you understand what i'm saying it was right it was for real right you know and i i really liked that i needed i needed a dose of that right i needed a dose of of reality
2: and consequence
1: exactly yeah, we had we had briefings every morning about the bad guys out there. Now this is 1982, eight right. years before the Gulf War. There was no talk about
2: Bin Laden or Al Qaeda. Well, that. at that time, it, it was it was it was actually the Russians, and we had
1: it was still the Cold War, and we still, well not
2: just that, but wasn't there there was conflict over there in the 80s between Russia and um, what became bin laden and al qaeda yeah essentially right it's like, oh yeah it's like the, that was, Af- the
1: afghan the russian yeah. afghan war was in yeah. full swing yeah and uh and so our vested interest i imagine and this,
2: this is where i'll show my like my naiveness about the, the history around that area as i would imagine our presence there was more in the realm of if we need to step in to kind of check russia we need to be there to make sure they're not continuing gaining
1: ground we needed to be close yeah with air power anyway. Right. And we were. Right. Uh, both of us might be completely off base mm-hmm. there on that. But it was, yeah. a str- it was a strategic area. Right. right. And Interlick was a strategic base.
2: I would say maybe you could all, I don't know if you could equate it to, you know, if someone out there listening, you know, has more info, like send me an email so we, you know, correct this or whatever. But because I'm just going off of what I understand of the world that at that time. I would guess maybe it would be, you could almost use an analog of kind of like what Kuwait was to Iraq. uh, You know, the, the the first, you know, desert storm war. Yeah. Right. It wasn't per se involved, but it was a strategic air base or a strategic base by which we could, that we could perform ops out of easily into country. Sure. You know, that's what it was. Yeah. Nice. And so you were there for 13 months, right? So while you were in the service, you know, getting back to getting back to hunting right you know uh did you get to do any hunting while you were in service was it just completely head down per- performing your your tasks and the... uh,
1: no i was fortunate enough to schedule a couple leaves okay especially when i was stateside right to get back home for thanksgiving and deer season nice yeah i was fortunate enough to do that that's good uh i think twice okay that's and not bad and it was just a flat out Good time. Right. You know, family, Thanksgiving, one of my favorite, if not my favorite time of the year. Yeah. For a bunch of reasons. For a bunch of reasons. Yeah. A lot of reasons. But uh, deer hunting was a big part of it. Uh, Well, a huge part of it. Right. And uh, got that done right went back to work went back to work yep
2: and I, you got some tags hanging up there
1: that i was actually just i scoped
2: while we're sitting here and i don't know if right. i've ever noticed those. Are, are those your tags
1: uh that's my dad's
2: and oh. mine and yours dog tags yeah nice that's awesome and then you have a you have a flag
1: over here yeah, that's that's for dad
2: yep that's awesome i uh i don't know who has my grandfather's flag i think one of my uncles may ha- or one of my <clears throat> i think one of my aunts actually has mm-hmm. it and that was uh that was one of I don't want to say the, one of the coolest things but like I had never been part of that where you know even my grandfather when he passed and he was you know his his, his you know mid 80s you know you sometimes think about when these fellas get older or whatever that people forget what they what they gave sometimes you know
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh I just remember being at the you know the 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 ceremonies and stuff like that after he passed And I was surprised because, I mean, I knew he was in the service, right? I knew he and I had talked about it. You know, he shared stuff with me. And going back to that, like, it was funny after I asked him about the World War II stuff, like, we left. And my dad was like, he was like, all the years I've known that, man, he's like, he's never, (laughs) ever talked to anybody about that. You know what I mean? Which was cool because it felt, like, it felt special that he and I were able to kind of share that. And he was willing to kind of share it with me, which was, which was awesome. Some, something obviously it made an impression on me because I still remember it to this day, and I well, remember it very vividly. Uh,
1: well, if you think it's vivid now, it'll be vivid till you leave. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. That's something you'll never forget,
2: right? And uh, and he, they had when we walked in, you know, they had his his boots and like they gave him the full the oh, full yeah. thing. You oh, know? yeah, and I was like, it was just, it was just something to see because I I'd never seen that before, and I was just really appreciative that like they didn't forget, you know everything he did and stuff like that. And yep. that was just, you know, it, it was, it that was really impactful. Cause I, that's another vivid memory I have is just seeing seeing that, that it's like, even after you served and in your service was long, long gone and maybe others have forgotten. Like the, those who are, those who are most closely tied to it. Don't,
1: you know, no, no, you, you never do. Yeah. And so
2: that was, you never do. And that was cool for me to, for me to see, I think, I mean, you know, I think, you know, my dad certainly appreciated it and, you know, his, you know, his children appreciated it yeah. and stuff like that, which was, um which was awesome.
1: Well, the, for my dad, it was an Air Force vet of eight years. And uh when he passed, uh, a simple mm-hmm. ceremony, family and the honor guard from Everett, yeah, the, you gu- know,
2: the gun, uh, the gun salute. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh that's, I think that was the first time I might have had a tear in my was 21 guns at yep. the uh, cemetery. Yep. But it, that, that tear was, them tears were sadness. They were proud tears. They were a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's the man that introduced me to honey.
2: Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing. You know, it's like you think about.
1: I wouldn't beat briars for rabbits with them with and and
2: loved every minute of it. i remember you know? telling me about that you were like we didn't run a dog very often it was i was the dog <laughs> i loved it yeah
1: i loved it he let me uh you know i felt like daniel boone out there sometimes he let me take my first squirrel with right nine years old you know and yep. and i just thought i was the cock of the walk yeah. You
2: know, yeah so yeah i mean <clears throat> obviously this weekend's a, a very important weekend we don't want to you know, we're going to transition to deer hunting here, but I wanted to just make sure we kind of made, made mention of, you know, your service and we che- traded some stories and, and stuff like that. Cause I always am interested in hearing. And you know, I'm glad you did. And, and I
1: think, uh, well, I'm sure a, a lot of your listeners will yeah, appreciate that and think, this, yep. think the same thing for sure. But anyway, we're, we're,
2: we're always here to talk about deer hunting always. And, and Tate and I always do a ton of that. So we're going to make a hard transition to, uh, to talk a little, a little bow hunting and. Past, present, and future. <laughs> I mean, maybe more about the future. You know. The future. Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, but you know, how was your your season this year? I mean, I know you and I kind of talked, but it was you know, it, it was probably similar to mine to to a degree. But how did things shake out for you this year? It,
1: it did not shake out. at all There was all. no shaking. There was no shaking. uh We touched on this yeah. before we started the podcast. That uh, I I can't even uh, tell the listener, listeners a. I can't even brew up a good lie
0: <laughs> can't
1: even can't even embellish no no embellishment uh it was uh it was tough, yeah, and uh I've been down that road before uh, yeah. i had one encounter that in p a that uh was worthy, but it only lasted two minutes right when that dough went on the other side of the uh, fallen down tree oh yeah down there on the point down there off the spine yep i knew what was going on yeah and uh, a couple of minutes later he showed up and i knew what was going to transpire
2: right yeah it's like you could foretell the future <laughs> you're like yeah i've seen this play out before. he was a good yeah.
1: deer he was a good deer one of the couple of deer we had on camera down there that i wouldn't hesitate to take And when i saw him i mm-hmm. knew he was a shooter right uh, so i didn't look at horns anymore right and he didn't let me look at the words <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I tried. Uh, once he popped into view, and and I knew what he was going to do. So I, uh, I threw a grunt at him. Right. tell you the truth, Clint, I don't think he even heard it. Right. He was so blind with rut. Right. He did throw a glance in my direction, mm-hmm. but just as quick as he did that, he turned to what he was doing initially right. and finished that off. That whole episode mm-hmm. took... From the time I saw the doe to I saw the deer and the buck and he uh, got on back on her uh two minutes. And right. that was my That was the excitement of your season for the that most was, part for
2: as far as bucks go, right? As
1: far as bucks go in PA, yeah. 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 Now I had I had some other encounters uh two days before that I had a doe show up with me about eight thirty and there had been some heavy chasing in there earlier. Right. And I had glimpsed some horn. Right. I really thought one of them guys were tagging along Thursday. so she camped out with me for about 25 minutes. Nobody showed up. Hmm. Like I said, how I can How early was that?
2: Uh, or I guess not how early, but like what was the date on that? This right? was
1: November. Uh, okay. First week, I'll go... Jeez, Clint, I don't know exactly for sure. How well, about, I was just curious if it about was... How about four or five or six? The okay. Path, six.
2: Yeah, I was just curious because, you know, it would that time of year it's like i would certainly think that there's gonna be some visitation mm-hmm. you know and i was just wondering because i was like well if it was october you know yeah it might just be hanging around seeing what's happening but not showing a whole lot of interest at that point
1: you know i really uh in past experience i've been down this road so many times but i really thought that somebody would drop in right uh whether it's a a spike that has no clue on what the hell he's doing or something kind of decent that's been shadowing her right but uh did
2: you get out now you did you take your classic time off like you like to in october like time frame for like some weekends and stuff like that because for me you know i know i I had delusions of grandeur as far as working from home like the blessing of the pandemic for me was like hey i'm gonna work from home so I don't have to get into the office. I can slip out for some morning hunts, you know, maybe wrap some things up early and get out early, catch an evening or two here or there. Yeah. But for, I didn't get out as much as I would have liked to just because, you know, with that came along. My daughter was doing virtual school, you know, at least a couple of days a week. And so I had to be home with her and because she's, she's too young to be left home by herself like all day or whatever. Yeah. So my kind of plan of like utilizing this, like work from home opportunity to like skip out into the woods in the morning and not miss work, but my home is closer to where I hunt than my job is. And so, you know, I've gone out in the morning before and then gone into the office and it's just, it's a lot because it's just a further drive and I got to leave on time, you know, so it's not, and I've done it and, you know, I'll do it on days where I feel like I have a good opportunity. I'm not going to waste them on days. I don't think I'm going to have a shot or whatever. Or I'll do it on days where I'm getting the right weather for the place that's closest to my home, you know. And it's all about, those hunts are more about convenience than, like, um, high-priority targets. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm just trying to get out so I can get out more often, and I'm going to do it close to home, and I'm going to target those weather days where the wind's going to work out for me for that specific spot. There may or may not, I may or may not have intelligence on a, a good deer that is there that I want to kill.
1: But just being out in the woods, you just never know. That's just maybe, it. It's, maybe one day something really slides in my direction. Time and tree. And the you know chips what I mean? all come together.
2: Time and tree. And yeah. for nothing else, yeah. it's like I'm a advocate of just spending time in a tree to learn. Like the more time I observe and spend time with deer, the better off I am. Got gotcha. you know. And so that's kind of the the idea. So I didn't get out nearly as much as I nearly as much as I wanted to. Then went on the the you know the the, the trip out out to the out to the Midwest. But you also went to Ohio mm-hmm. and you changed it up this year. Because the years past when we've hunted that particular area together has been, uh, I think, the first week of November is usually when we've been. But what we've seen, like, on camera and stuff like that, it's it, it really hammers, like, that, um, that Halloween time frame to, like, the third, roughly, right? Mm-hmm. And then it kind of dries up, you know. And I think I killed my buck on, like, the sixth, if I'm not mistaken, the one year we were out there. But it seemed like when we ran cameras and stuff like that, it would really pick up almost like that second week or almost starting around like the 8th, ninth, maybe 10th into that yep. second week or whatever. And so you ended up going
1: out. Well, I have I've did uh, the last two years, I've did both spectrums. That's uh,
2: right. Yeah, because last year you went out earlier yeah, trying to catch that front end.
1: Yeah, I tried to catch the front end. Uh, not much happening. Mm-hmm. And last year, I think it was starting to ramp back up. When it was time for me to go, right? And what's what were the dates again on that? I forget what the. I think I ride in. I think I slid into town on like November nine, and I planned on a nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, or a ten, eleven. I might have got out there around the eleventh, Clint. I'm not sure. It, I wanted to catch the later end, right? Of it. I, it,
2: I can't it, remember when you were. I can't remember when you were headed out there because it wasn't. Um. I'm trying to think where I was at.
1: I don't like, know if you were still in Mizzou or you and Chad had got up into Ohio. Ohio. Mm, we would have got to Ohio about the 8th, I think,
2: roughly, or the 7th. 8th. Yeah, the 8th, I think, is when I got there. I feel like you hadn't got there yet because I'm I, pretty sure I called you. I had. And you hadn't left yet. Nope, I yeah. had Also because you were watching the weather, and the weather completely sucked and was warm as warm as shit. Yep you know so i think you were also if i'm remembering correctly you were trying to wait out some of that to see if you can get the weather to break
1: a little bit well it uh it didn't it it did (laughs) and it didn't uh drove the whole way out in rain Mm -hmm. uh had a wet start to my time out there but in just the three and a half four days i hunted out there i saw more deer than i did in Right. The whole season. In in, in PA, and this is rifle combined. Not that I got out much with a rifle. Right. But you also, I think
2: after we talked, when you got back from Ohio, you, for this year, you know, you are contemplating. Well, I think you even made some moves this past year, too, just based on the deer you were seeing. Because they were traveling in a specific area. I'm trying to remember.
1: Well, I didn't hunt the killing tree.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And... What I did was just, you picture yourself in the killing tree, and you look kind of at the one o'clock. Down down where that little draw is. You see that kind of plateau out there. I was up on that little plateau right there, and and it was a good move. Really? It was a good move.
2: So where were the deer coming from in that
1: area? Up behind me.
2: Coming right direct? out
1: Out of the thick. Yep. Some deer came out. Some of the deer came out. From the thick that's off to our right, in the killing tree, you know what's how yeah, yeah, that's yeah. laying out in yeah. there. But uh, <clears throat> it was a good move. Yeah. But at the same time, Clint, I heard and saw enough activity in and around the killing tree to where I was contemplating <laughs> just going back and forth every day too.
2: Right. It
1: was a good. It was time well spent out there, and yeah. I had a. I had an opportunity on the last day, the Saturday morning. It was about twenty five degrees, real crispy, real nice. nice. About nine o'clock he pushed a a doe out of the thicket right there. Which now which
2: tree where what tree were you in there at that point?
1: In my my In the new the in, new
2: one. <clears throat> up on the, the point.
1: Up on the little plateau out there. Mm-hmm. And I really thought he was gonna slide up past me. Now did me he come
2: out the- did he come out from behind you or did he did he come out just let's say Let's just say north is in front of us, just for the listeners' perspective. Did he come from your east he to came, west, or did he come from the the south behind? East you? to west. I was yeah.
1: looking. I was looking down towards the road, like in the dam area over in there. Right. I, I was sitting in there like that, okay. and he he pushed her out of that thicket that okay. would have been off to my left. Right. That right. right, right. Time. Yep. Yep. Got it.
2: Nice. And that was what nine thirty. You said nine nine thirty, and around there. All right. So. I'm assuming like is your plan to head back there this year?
1: Yeah. I'm yeah. going by.
2: Yeah. I know you would. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. It's a great spot to go, man. It's like, you know, I've talked about it on on the show. It's just one of those little areas that, you know, it just it turns on around the same time every year. You're gonna if you if you put your time in, in that general area, yeah. you know, just on that ridge. Yes. You know, you could hunt a couple different areas on that ridge. Yep. You could spend a week hunting that ridge and just hunt different spots. You
1: could be bop all over that place up there and probably see deer every day. Yeah. You know that as well as I do.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the, where we have the the quote unquote killing tree and where yeah. I killed. So the reason for people out there listening, if you haven't heard this kind of story before, it's I'll, I'll make it quick. We were there a handful of years ago. I stumbled upon this place while I was out scouting, kind of got lost, found it on my way back from <laughs> getting found um, and <clears throat> literally kind of put it, uh, got into a tree there because it was, you know evening and i wanted to have it, something set up for me to get into in the morning and ended up picking this tree and it just so happened when i went back and looked it's literally in a saddle between and you know, when i say a saddle you know you'll hear chad and i talk a lot about kind of avoiding saddles in certain situations because it's they're very obvious um they're very obvious terrain features that people will gravitate toward and so a lot of times you're going to get pressure there and stuff like that yeah. this is one of those little areas where it's not real obvious even on even on topo
1: there's nothing obvious about that
2: no and and what we kind of come to learn after the one year that the first year that tate and i were there i killed a buck out of that tree killed a nice deer had an opportunity on a really good one like the day before i killed mine and and screwed that up and then tate jumped in the same tree and killed a good buck the next day out of that same tree so that's why we call it the killing tree but what we learned was is there's that saddle that kind of comes through there and it's not it's not a real obvious saddle, nope. you know. You don't really recognize it until like you you hike it and you put some boots on the ground because you're not going to see it a whole lot on the top. it's more just how like the terrain and kind of vegetation all kind of come together. It's almost really what makes the saddle more so than the topography itself. But there's doe bedding on. We'll just say this ridge runs east and west. Yep. There's doe bedding that runs that is at the east end of the at the east end of the ridge, and there's doe bedding that is on the west end of the ridge. Yep. And we're literally sitting in the middle at this saddle that bucks are kind of cruising and popping up over and constantly kind of going back and forth between doe bedding areas and checking. And. Well, that- for
1: the, for the listeners out there, let's just, let's just paint a real black and white picture. When it's right out there, uh, what you just yeah. described is exactly what occurs. Yep. A hundred percent. hundred percent. It's it's there's no more, no less to it. Yep. they, they, do the wild thing.
2: Yep. And you will get significant rut activity yep. in there. You know, and that's what we've seen like every time is just like deer coming in, laying down sign, getting pissed off, you know, yep. rake, raking trees, you know, pushing does around. But the nice thing about that spot is that not often at least me, you know, and you've hunted it more than I have because, you know, I hunted it I think I've hunted that area twice, like two different seasons. And <clears throat> it uh Typically when you see bucks out there, even if they're on does, like I've not very often had them running through, like they've typically been just kind of following at a distance or kind of nudging, nudging does along where I've been in other spots, like say in Missouri, where it's like, good God, if I could just get a deer that wasn't in a dead out sprint, you know what I mean? Like I saw bucks, you know, but only a handful of them did I have enough time with them that I could have. Even gotten a shot opportunity yep. just because of how quickly they were moving through, you know, in that spot there, for whatever reason, I don't know that I've ever seen a deer classic, like chase a doe through the area. Uh, I almost feel like it's I, a cutout spot.
1: I, I, I haven't either. And I agree with you on the cutout spot. I will tell you this and I've told you this before the year before you, Chad and I went out. I think that was 2018. Mm hmm. I went out by myself in 2017 or 2018, and we went out. Yeah, whatever. I was. forget. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The hardest chase that I've ever seen out there, and he was trying to cut her out too. But this this girl was close. Mm-hmm. Was the biggest buck I've ever seen out there. Yeah, yeah. Remember me telling you about that? Yeah. This guy was a stud. Yeah, and that's the hardest running I've yeah. ever seen out there. And what date? And we- it was from the biggest buck I've ever seen.
2: And what date was that?
1: Late. Uh, late. by late i mean like second week no no i don't think i got into the second week i think i let's go anywhere from seven to nine, seven to seventh Seventh and ninth on that hmm. yeah
2: yeah and that's the thing about that spot out there is like usually you know i've run some cameras out there and stuff like that and usually you'll have at least one bona fide hammer that's going to spend some time in there now, whether you get to lay eyes on him or not, or whether he comes through in daylight or not, you know, I remember the the last time I was out hunting it, we had that one deer that was, I don't remember exactly how big he is. It's like, who knows? He was somewhere between 140 and 150 inches. Yeah. He was, he was a big deer. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I missed him by a day, like two different times where it's like, <laughs> he came through right before I got there. And yeah. I think he came through like, you know, one evening, like, just after dark, after I got out of of the tree or whatever, you know, it's just
1: like, you know, it's, isn't that the beauty of it though? It is. Even though it grinds your ass. Oh yeah. Well, it's like
2: I had a whole season of near misses (laughs) like that last year. It's like, you know, well in Pennsylvania, at least they're just kind of being a day late and a
1: dollar short or,
2: or, you know, Sunday hunting or whatever, kind of putting the kibosh on me or whatever. So, but you're planning to head out there this year, right? That's like the, that's the deal. That's like, that's,
1: it's the plan yeah it's the plan
2: now you're going later or earlier this
1: year i'm gonna go for i'm gonna do the five to ten thing
2: five to ten yeah okay that to me feels about right because i feel like out there at least what we've seen on camera and stuff like that is like if you don't catch that like 30th 31st first and maybe the second like it does kind of die down is what we've seen on camera and you know look people out there listening it's probably pretty classic for a lot of areas mm-hmm. right you know so but you know when i the first year i was out there it's like man the activity we were seeing or that i was seeing in that area was really the like fourth fifth and sixth like where it is when i had a lot of action and, and and then ultimately ended up killing then you saw action the set or i think it was the eighth
1: you killed well is the day be, trumpy became president
2: oh yeah that's right yep yep hundred
1: th- th- that day is just locked in on me yep. i forget i forget if it was the seventh eighth or ninth mm-hmm. but it's, it's the day he became president right
2: yeah the uh I'd like to get back out there one of these days to that spot because it's just a it's just a cool little spot to hunt
1: it is uh for me going out by myself
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, but now I got guys that want to tag along right and go i and but I've heard that before, yeah, hey, I'm in yeah, and then a then, couple weeks in what do you think now i i i I'm sorry, Tate. i can't get- I can't go right right, not slowing me down, I'm no. going yeah but the reason why I go there, Clint, and you know why. Mm-hmm. If I'm fortunate enough to take an animal,
0: mm-hmm.
1: hopefully, it's all downhill right. on extracting, yeah, getting him out of there. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to look after myself right. a little yeah, bit yeah, here, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. Uh, but I also remember the church. I also yeah. want to get back in there because yeah. that—that's a cool little spot. Yeah. It
2: is, and you hunted, a, you hunted that a couple of days, didn't you? Well, it year? was
1: the weather week that you and Chad and I went out. That's right. You remember yeah. how bad the weather was? Yes. We didn't have any good hunting for four or five days after we got there. Yeah. Yeah. It was and the rough. best day that we actually had was the I grunted one in, mm-hmm. and I had another one moving through out there at the church. Yeah. And you remember? Well, you never saw the scrape.
2: Mm-mm. No, because I didn't go back in there. Well, we went back in there to hang cameras that summer or yeah. whatever and go and make yeah, a walk yeah, through. Even, yeah. I think we went out in the winter, if I'm not mistaken, like me, you and Chad, that's when you put your truck in the ditch. I just got to mention
1: that. You have to <laughs> and as well. I'd be disappointed if you did. not And there's still YouTube video out there. there. There's I'm still sure that, there's Chad, that, Chad yeah, he got that. Yeah, out. there's that. And well, there's still a right front mud flap in that ditch. Out there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was hilarious. So, Anyway, you know, so you, you're planning to go, you're planning to go out there, but like the real big news for you this year, man, is you're going to be, you're going to have a lot more hunting time on your hands, not in the 2021 season, but the 2022 season. Cause yeah, my man is, uh, my man's getting ready to hang it up. He's hanging
1: it up, bro. He's
2: retiring. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to hang up his, his work boots, trade him in for hunting boots.
1: We're going to have a burn the work apparel party
0: <laughs> every stitch right
1: but yeah that's uh i'm not gonna lie to you buddy it's something i'm looking forward to yeah in a, in a big way
2: rightly rightly so man you in know. a
1: big way i've earned it yep i'm I'm not patting myself on the back but it's time for me to hang her up to switch
2: and enjoy enjoy the good life so
1: yeah. so yeah when i any hunting i do this fall and there's gonna be I'm going to try to get out there as much as I can, especially in November in Ohio, but come November, I know January 13th, it's, it's going to be like a pre-party hunting for me. January 13th, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. So,
2: and so I, you know, I I throw this out there, man. Like, you know, maybe you look at your hunting season this way this year, right? And maybe you go to Ohio, right? Or maybe you pick somewhere else that you've wanted to go and and you go hunt it this year, but you almost treat it to a degree as like a preparation for the following season. Like Mm -hmm. you go out, you hunt it, you scout it, learn it a little bit. And then when you have a lot of time next year, after you retire, you now kind of have the lay of the land of that spot, wherever it is, whether it's Kentucky, whether it's you tag along with Chad and I and go to Kansas Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, and something like that, like that might be a cool option to do is just kind of pick a place and go, you know what? Ohio's going to be there. I know that spot. I want to go here the next year and start making that plan. Well, what do you think of that?
1: From this driveway here, Ohio is three and a half hours away. Yeah, that's an easy hunt for you to get to. That's, uh, that's I can do that. Yeah. That's, Kansas, that's Kansas is not three hours away. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, no.
2: So how do you think, you know, how do you think being retired is going to
1: change how you, how you hunt? It's something that I haven't really thought about. Okay. I ain't going to bullshit you on that. Uh, what I what I do know is that there will be time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there won't be anything else in the back of my mind. Right. You know what I mean? Right. There'll be more time. Probably this year coming, uh, after I retire, there'll be more time scouting than actual hunting, probably. Yeah. Or recon hunts, right? I mean, we've talked about that yeah. before. But uh, at my age, not that I'm old out there, guys, but uh, at my age, and we've talked about this before, the appreciation is, yeah, is more noteworthy than it ever has been, right? Yeah, time, time of field, yeah. And I would like to really, now, I. This is where the scouting and the homework comes in, but I. And since I've ran into you, we've gotten to know each other. The quality
2: mm-hmm.
1: aspect, yeah, is more yeah instilled in me than it ever has been. Right. quality animals, right, and quality hunts, even though a lot of hunts are not quality
2: they're not all going to be man you have no. pl- you have pl- you you do all the work you want to do, and you're still going to have some stinkers sure, you know it's just it is what it is well that's
1: that's that's, that's okay. the game that's the game you play that's that's okay with yeah. That. Hall yeah. of Fame hitters get in, the, get in the uh, Hall of Fame in baseball by batting three hundred. They don't they, bat a thousand. They fail seventy percent of the time. They sure do. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: right, man. The uh, so, do you have any places like? And I know you haven't thought about it a whole lot, but I'll just put you on the spot here, right as we're talking. Is there any? Are there any states that you're kind of like? And I know you haven't done a ton of thinking about this in advance or whatever, but just as we're sitting here thinking about like man I'm retiring are there any states that you have like in your mind where you're like man I've always wanted to go here and, and, and bow hunt whitetails or I've always wanted to go here and bow hunt whitetails is there anything like that that you think you'll cuz now you have the time to jump in and do it and you know me you give me a state I'll, I'll go you know what I mean <laughs> and it and it doesn't have to be expensive that's the one thing people out there listening that I try to impress upon people is that like look you can do these things especially if it's not a draw state and it's an over the counter state or whatever you can you can do these out of state hunts pretty on the cheap just depending on how many amenities you want to have mm-hmm. you know yeah. so are there any places outside of ohio that you're like you know i'd really love to to get to this state and this state
1: well we've i've heard a lot about it and i i've had i got two good friends that have been going to missouri in november the last five or six years mm-hmm. and you're we went last year you're yeah. uh you're videoing and uh the party and you did down there last year that's that's a state
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's not an expensive hunt either. That tag's pretty, pretty inexpensive. I want to say it was like two hundred and maybe two hundred and sixty bucks or something like that. Was and I think it might be going up this year. I don't recall off the top of my head, but still, that's not a.
1: It's a long drive, but it's not a terrible drive necessarily. And well, you know, it that's. This is where my wife and I disagree on things, but <laughs> if you want to go hunt somewhere, you need to purchase a mm-hmm. a license, right? Right. Well, that that's like putting gas in your truck, yeah, to go to where you want to go, whether it's work or right or to the golf course. Yep, or on a hunt. Yep, that's the expense that I don't factor in.
2: Uh, yeah, it's a, to me, it's that's a given cost. That's a sunk cost. It's like I got to have a license to go do it. So got to have it. it, it I don't.
1: It I don't. You do, would
2: love. You would love Missouri.
1: I, I by what Andy and Matt have talked about, and and especially what. I got out of you last year. It it sounds like you just had a
2: blast. Oh yeah, and I got a couple. We got Chad and I have a have a spot right now that that we really love. That I I think is just primo. You know, um, it's funny because he and I were just talking about our Kansas trip, and because we're actually getting a small freezer to put in the in the trailer.
1: All right, fill so, it yeah, up.
2: Yeah, fill it <laughs> up. we're getting a small like little three and a half cubic foot freezer to anticipating that we're gonna kill deer in kansas and we're fingers And is that we we were hoping you know we're always chad and i are always positive on these trips right like we don't go out thinking it's going to take two weeks for us to kill you, kill deer you, you gotta think like that and so what we're thinking is is like look let's let's just say we kill deer the first week both of us in the first like five to seven days sure right we're already halfway across the country Let's stop in Missouri on the way home buying over the counter tag because we both had encounters with shooter deer within the first twenty four hours of being
1: there. Well, you you, know, you had your fun, but did you think I remember that Chad ran into a one sixty? A, a one sixty,
2: he missed the one thirty. Yeah, he and he saw the one thirty twice. Like he had two different encounters with them, and he he <clears throat> he shot under him.
1: What's every bow hunter want? An opportunity. Opportunities, yeah.
2: In this particular place that we were at is ripe with, with opportunity, you know? And so that's why when we started talking about it, and he was like, well then we need to get a freezer to stick in there, you know, so we can debone Kansas deer, throw them in the freezer, head to Missouri, and then hunt the rest of the, however much time we have left. Exactly, man. And even if it's only three days, like I feel pretty confident. We have, we know that area a little bit better now. And we got on deer in first 30 minutes. We were there, you know, not knowing anything about it. We know a little bit more about the lay of the land and stuff like that. So, we were like, you know what, we would probably stand a pretty good chance if we had just a couple of days of getting pulled back on something. And so that's kind of our game plan now. So Missouri's one of yours that you might well, want to go to.
1: Well, uh, hold on a second here. Uh, shout out to Chad. I love that guy. Yeah. Uh, anybody that takes one step to my three is I, I, <laughs> my hat's off, <laughs> Especially when you're chasing that guy uh, through the woods. Man.
2: Yeah, it's that's a, that's a hard task. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, – so what's a what's another one? Do you have another one in mind that you might want to might want to venture to?
1: Well, I just thought about this because now I'm I'm probably going way off of where you're thinking, but the kid's been in Rochester, New York, mm-hmm. but he's going to be leaving in July.
2: Yeah, he's moving down near me. Yeah, I know, yeah.
1: and that's a good thing. Yeah, for several reasons, but. Several times we went up there visiting him. Mm-hmm. Once I broke across the New York line.
0: Mm-hmm. There
1: was—I don't want to be morbid—but there was roadkill everywhere. Right. And the—I uh, just thought I just—I just let this fly through my mind. I—I I got on the internet and Googled up. There's a lot of public land up there, but that's—that's that's a what if. Right. You know, he's going to be out of there, so there's right. really. No reason for me to slide. There won't be no fall hunting up there this year for me. If right. I elected to do that and right. pull in a hunt and go hang with him for a while. Right. You know? So that's out of the question.
2: So are there any other Midwestern states? Would you ever, could I ever get you to say like <laughs> buy a Kansas tag and go to Kansas and chase some, chase some giants? Could, oh, I, yeah. could I twist your arm and get you to do that?
1: I don't think you have to twist. No. <laughs> because you don't have to twist right i would i've seen that in magazines and on tv not that i'm wrapped in wrapped up in any of the tv productions i'm not right but i know there's a guy out here just six miles down the road he slides out a good bit to kansas for the muzzleloader season mm, yeah and and alan has knocked down some several good deer but i know giants come out of kansas oh yeah for sure and. uh
2: and it's not a hard state to draw, to draw necessarily. I mean, typically, if you have a point, you're almost guaranteed to get a tag. Really? If you so have,
1: you got a point up there.
2: Okay. I, I got one. I had one this year and got my tag, you know, and, oh, uh, awesome. and usually, even if you don't, it depends on what zone you're trying to get, but even if you don't have a point, like, I've known people who didn't have any points and got, got a tag. It's not terribly hard to get. Sweet. But, Sweet. You know, so it's not like
1: Iowa. But, it's not like the Mecca.
2: Yeah. It's not like Iowa, you know, but the caliber of deer that are there,
1: I mean... Are Iowa like? I think parallel. Yeah, not that I have any experience. No, just in talking
2: to John last year because he was out there and he killed a he killed a good buck, and he just said even just from body size he was like they're bigger, like the deer are just bigger there, like body wise, which I thought was crazy. Like I would have thought like the deer I saw in Iowa while I was
1: there was just like huge, like they were insane, not just rack but just body. Well, you you, that was one of the very first impressions and one of the very first uh, things you told me about Iowa, let alone. Some of the couple booners that you've yeah. seen yeah. that you were blown away by their just the, the, just the the flat-out body size. Yeah,
2: I mean, it was just, like, ridiculous how, how big they were. But, well, man, we've been here for a little over an hour. I'm going to have to get on the road here soon. But there's one thing I wanted to bring up before we before we call our quits here, and I'm just trying to flip some stuff once. So if you hear some rattling around, that's what, you, that's what you hear. You know, today was Memorial Day. We were talking about Veterans Day. I love you like family, you know, um, always have, I have a deep appreciation for you mentoring me and getting me into bow hunting. And I'm so, I didn't,
1: I didn't mentor, mentor you.
2: Well, man, you got me, you introduced me to it. And I,
1: I, I put a little something in your water and you just let it grow, <laughs> dude. That's I didn't. And
2: <clears throat> I'm so happy that you're getting ready to retire and are going to be able to enjoy the woods even more than you do now. And I've always told you, my goal is to keep you in the woods as long as I possibly can. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, So me and my buddies from tethered got together and decided that we wanted to, um, we wanted to give you a retirement gift and, uh, get you set up for the woods and be ready to rock and roll in retirement. So if you don't mind opening up, what's open up this bag. If you don't mind. Yeah, hey, man, what are you doing here? Open up, open up that bag, if you, if you don't mind.
1: We're at Clint. There's a zipper over on the other side. This is like Christmas, dude. What are you doing? The, uh oh. My buddies from Tethered. When I talked to them, I I told them
2: how much how much you meant to me, as dude, a as a friend. You know, as a as, a, a, as a bow hunting buddy.
1: I'm taken back, pal. <laughs>
2: Here, open it up. That's why I brought this knife in. It wasn't to show you.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to cut in anything. Uh, it's, it's Everything, is, everything uh, in there
2: is boxed like you're good.
1: Dude, this is... I really don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm taken back by this. This is uh, this came out of nowhere.
2: And, yeah. uh, I called Tether and I said, Hey, I got a buddy that means a lot to me. He's a veteran. He's retiring. I want to send him off the right way. And, well, I and their, uh, and their response was was hell yeah, and that was it. So thanks to thanks to tethered shout thank, out to those guys for, for making this happen.
1: Thank them. Uh, thank you. I, I I love you like a brother too. And yeah, for sure. uh, I I think uh, I think I realized that the first five minutes that I <laughs> we talked, yeah, we shared. We shared.
2: We've we've shared some some great moments together, man. For you sure, we have. And this will just make sure that we're.
1: And I, you've been after me for, and 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 I'm glad you are. I'm glad you are because I need somebody kicking me in the ass. But uh, you've been been after me about the saddle, and by watching you do what you do in the saddle, this is this is going to benefit me greatly.
2: It's <laughs> my goal, man, to keep you in the timber as long as I can.
1: Dude, you you guys have wrapped me up in a great way here look what i get to do this summer i get to practice
2: <laughs> yeah get you on a tree pull pull some of that stuff out there so what we have here is uh, uh
1: i i don't know but i'm gonna know
2: it's a uh, i believe that's the menace the menace saddle so you get your, okay. your your saddle set up there gotcha right? you got your ropes your carabiners you're all set up there with your with your safety with your safety gear get your ropes all set up
1: uh, dude i'm uh and then uh wow I, I don't know what to say. I'll, I'll hug you here. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That'll yeah. be off camera. Yeah, that'll be off camera.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so another, another rope to get you yes, all set up so, your tether. Oh, that's That'll be your tether that's there. That's the so. five-inch eye tether. Yeah, I'll get you. i hope you get all set you know, up. No, so you're yeah.
1: going to be, uh, we're going to be, uh, I'll be OJTing with you, bro. Yeah. And
2: then uh, that that's in there yet is, uh, that's just like the, there's a sticker and stuff in there. And then this is the, the platform. Okay. To use. So you tell also, by the way yeah. there. So go ahead and open that up. Take a look at take a look at that thing. I'm like, kid. I think you have to open it from the the back side there, if I'm not mistaken. There might be a piece of tape Hold on, on it. A minute.
1: No, there's no tape. I don't want to bust. Hold on a minute. I'm freaking to that. There, there we go. go. There you go. Look at that little fella right there. Yep. And so
2: So you're all set up. With a, a platform, I'll get you some stuff to get you some deadening material on that, so you can silence Dude. it a little bit. Some tape or whatever the case is, we'll get Dude, you. Dude, I'm ecstatic. I,
1: I'm I'm just uh, uh, I'm ecstatic. I appreciate uh, tethered for yeah. uh, especially during this time of year and Memorial Day. Uh, there's
2: they're veteran owned. Greg, they're, Greg's a veteran, and you know they're always down to help support veterans. And whenever they knew that you were,
1: God bless them. Oh, uh, and I'm sure. Well, I know there's a lot more fellows that are more deserving of this than me. But uh, uh, I thank them greatly. It's not lost on me at all. I could almost, well, I'm not going to cry, but this is this is special.
2: It is, man. Well, you're a special fellow, man. I love you like a brother. Thank you, man. Right back at you. So thank I think you. with I'm, that. I'm
1: taken back. Uh, uh, once again, thanks to Tethered. And, and, and thank you, Clint, for it's being pl- here you are. It's my pleasure, buddy.
2: So with that, we're going to wrap this thing up. My goodness. Tate and I are going to share a hug. <laughs> we'll talk to you all next time. Goodbye. All right, folks, that is a wrap. For today's show, I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there, too. It would be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible tethered exodus outdoor gear skull brew coffee company and maven optics and until next time we'll see y'all